now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane, and I'm here with Rich Hill, back after a long and tumultuous offseason. Tons of storylines, tons of questions, some of it nonsense, some of it not so. But you know what? All that is in the rearview mirror, thankfully, because we are back. 2018 is underway. Training camp is here. Lots to get to today. It's been a long offseason, but before we get to all that stuff, I have a very important question because hopefully we are not too rusty at this and Rich Hill is not cut off on our communications software. Rich Hill, A, are you there? And B, if you are there, how the hell are you? I am here. Yes. I am doing well. And I didn't realize we actually had football this year. I yeah. was pretty convinced that after this offseason, Belichick and Brady aren't talking anymore. Gronk is in L.A. doing a movie star. And the Patriots actually just shut down. I, I did not realize that we were still playing football this year, Alec. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss right now. It's funny, man. Like, and I've been a Patriots fan for well over 30 years at this point, And you figure I'd be used to this by now and just the way the offseason works with the Patriots. But every year they seem to find a new way to let us all know that everything is horrible. The sky is falling and things will never be the same again. And every year the media, the team, however you want to put it, they outdo themselves. And this year was no different. What an offseason. And I don't know about you, man, but I am very excited to put all that behind us to talk about some actual stuff going on because training camp has started. Yeah. And I mean, after this entire offseason, it kind of, it got capped off with Gronkowski showing up to camp a week early to prove that, you know what, he is committed to this team and he wants to be a part of it. And then James Harrison, he was here for six weeks, maybe at the end of last year. And he's like, oh, yeah, that that Tom Brady, Bill Belichick rift. Yeah, y'all made that up. It's not actually a thing. <laughs> so I was like, oh. Well, I'm glad we just wasted our entire offseason thinking about that. And with that in the rear view, Alec, super excited to talk about some football. Building the team is probably one of my favorite parts of the, the entire NFL process, whether it's the draft and free agency or camp when you're trying to whittle down your 90 players into a 53-man roster. Right now, Patriots have 89 because they just put offensive lineman Andrew Jelks on the retired list. Let's start with the offense. Let's break down every single positional group. I'm super excited to talk about these players because more than most years in the past, there are a ton of question marks up and down this roster. And where do you want to start? Yeah, it's tough, man. I feel like in our, our past preseason preview podcasts, our conversations were like, hey, who's going to be the backup quarterback this year? Or, man, that third string tackle is going to be a real <laughs> battle for the Patriots. But this year, you can really go up and down the roster from punter all the way through, and you can find a really interesting storyline and narrative at almost every single position. And if we're going to start with the offense, uh, the one that's really going to be intriguing me the most, again, I can make a case for running back, offensive line, tight end, whatever, but the one that's really intriguing me most is the wide receiver position um, obviously Julian Edelman will be out for the first four weeks which is going to be fine it's just four weeks of rest for him coming off the ACL I think he'll be okay but Brandon Cooks is gone Danny Amendola is gone Edelman was Brady's security blanket before last year when he blew his ACL out so I really have no idea who's going to step up a in Edelman's absence of the first quarter of the season and B going forward you know they have Kenny Britt they have Philip Dorsett they brought in Corey Del Patterson in the offseason they brought in Jordan Matthews in the offseason Malcolm Mitchell is coming off an injury. They had high hopes for him in his sophomore year, but they had to shut him down. You've got rookies. You've got Braxton Berrios. You've got Jacob, uh, not Jacob, Cody Hollister's on there in the mix in some capacity. 
You have Riley McCarron, a very crowded receiver position, and I'm very curious to see if anybody will step up. Hogan is the easy pick for the guy who kind of fills in for Edelman, but there's a lot of interesting talent in the receiver position, and I'll be very curious to watch how Brady and those guys develop a rapport over the coming weeks into the preseason. I, I would not be surprised if Chris Hogan cemented his role this season as the, the heir to Julian Edelman within this offense. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Hogan, he really steps up in those first four weeks that Edelman is out with his suspension, really cements himself and gets a nice contract extension with the team. I don't know what the, the future holds with Edelman. We have the ACL, love to have him around. He's a huge part of this offense, but we could start seeing a little changing of the guard. We, we've seen that in the past at both, you know, there was a time where Troy Brown had to get phased out, a time where Kevin Falk had to get phased out. That That is inevitable. Chris Hogan has my inside edge on it. But I, I'm with you 100%. Who else is going to step up at this? There's so many pluses and potential minuses for all of these players just with their potential. Kenny Britt has been with the team for a little bit. He got a crash course at the end of the year. He's a proven 1,000-yard receiver. Jordan Matthews was an outstanding slot receiver when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Buffalo Bills played him really out of position when uh, they, they had him for part of a season when he was healthy enough. Daryl Patterson is my pick for a super underrated prospect that could have a nice role with the Patriots. He is going to be a complete boomer bust prospect, though. He's going to have either 700 yards and 10 touchdowns with the Patriots, or he's going to get cut. There's no in-between with him. He's not just going to be a kick returner. He's either going to have to really step up or he's going to step out. Big part of his numbers that I think are is just super under the radar is that he averages more yards per snap and more many more touchdowns per snap than Danny Amendola did over the past five years with the Patriots. And Patterson's been doing that with a bunch of question marks at quarterback. And so Patterson is my pick for someone who can really benefit from having Josh McDaniels at offensive coordinator, from having Tom Brady delivering him the football, for having a defined role in this offense. And he's someone that I think will really develop, get opportunities with Edelman sidelined and really get carve out a nice little role for him. Yeah, I hope so, man, you know, because, I, you know, with the, the kicking rules changing to what they are, where you can't really get a running start, so to speak, on the kickoffs, he could really be a weapon in the receiving game. But I agree with you. He's not going to take up a roster spot as a sole return man. The only real question mark is, you know, for every every guy like that that comes in and like a Dion Branch who can pick the offense up right away, you've got your Chad Ochocinco's and your Doug Gabriel's and your Joey Galloway's and these receivers who are successful with other teams that just for whatever reason, they cannot pick up the Patriots offense. They cannot get on the same page with Tom Brady. I haven't really read anything about Patterson and, and Brady doing a whole lot of work in the offseason while Brady's been off doing his TV 12 method in Montana. I don't know how they're doing so far, but I'm really hoping Patterson is not one of the receivers you kind of throw on the trash heap who can't quite pick the offense up because I agree in terms of the, the tools he has and the ability he has. And he's not a Brandon Cooks kind of deep threat, but he's a very fast guy. He is a vertical threat. And if he can be the guy that can go deep, that can really open up the field for the Chris Hogan's and the Jordan Matthews and the hopefully Malcolm Mitchell's as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bodies in this in this receiving core, and there's room for all of them to step up and do well, but they're not all going to make it. So I'm really excited to watch this, this battle unfold, and it's also kind of cool to talk about a, a quote-unquote sexy battle because, you know, 
the the guard position isn't one you're really that excited to watch. The the kind of you know backup tight end not a fun one to watch. Backup quarterback, but watching receivers run routes, who drops it, who doesn't drop it, who sees the hot routes, those are all fun things to watch when you're breaking down training camp. So I'm excited for it. Yeah. So my question for you right now is if you had to do a gut pick, there will be five wide receivers on the team. Chris Hogan's going to be one of them. Uh, if you had to choose four other players, assuming Edelman's suspended, he doesn't count, which four do you think will make the team? So we got, uh, you know, Britt, Dorsett, Hollister, Matthews, McCarron, Mitchell, Patterson. I'm not counting Slater. He's a special right. teamer. Other than Slater, who's the four? Yeah, so I'm going to go with Malcolm Mitchell. I think he's going to come off his injury season and, and deliver and kind of build on his on his rookie campaign that he had. I think that Jordan Matthews will be a good addition. I think he's a good slot receiver. It's very rare you see a 6'3", 6'4", slot receiver, but I think he's going to be a very good pick. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Cordell Patterson as number number three, and I have very high hopes for Braxton Berrios. I think he has really? a huge, huge every, – every training camp, man, there's this one guy that comes into nowhere, and he has a grid preseason. I think he sneaks his way onto the team, and those are my four receivers coming in. Those are good ones. Those are good picks. I'm, I would not be surprised if Barrios made the team. He's a really good slot receiver. He's shown a lot. I think he'll have some opportunities with the Patriots. Hard time disagreeing too much. If you have Hogan in the mix, uh, he's your big outside guy. I don't know if Kenny Britt can really uh, break onto this team because there are defined roles in this Patriots offense, right? And so Jordan Matthews has the inside edge as the slot, in my opinion. Cordero Patterson could be the Z. He moves all the way around. Chris Hogan's your X on the outside. And so you have those three players in there. Malcolm Mitchell, I agree with you. He had a tremendous opening season, and unless he gets put on the retired list, I expect him to make the team just because he was the Patriots' leading receiver down that stretch in 2016, and that's not too much of an exaggeration to say. He was, like, their top red zone target, which is awesome. And he's a nice little backup outside of Chris Hogan. Hogan can also flex around. Mitchell gives you some some length inside the red zone. And if you have Mitchell and if you have Hogan, you have some really long players, so I don't know if Kenny Britt can can make the team and I mean I think it's interesting that we haven't mentioned Philip Dorsett he has that opportunity to to replace Brandon Cooks as that deep threat in that Patriots offense we didn't see too much out of him last year but upon film review I thought he did do some nice things in order to get open it's just that he was never the primary target he was always that last man that the the quarterback would look at and so Dorsett is my dark horse to actually make this roster. There's a very real chance that he would just get cut as soon as Edelman returns from suspension. But Dorsett could make that team. That's my pick for the, the number four spot. Yeah, I like Dorsett. He had a couple of great grabs throughout the regular season last year, but he didn't do enough for me to say he has it to, to make the roster, especially with receiving backs like James White and Rex Burkhead that are so dangerous out of the backfield, uh, which is the greatest transition into the running back <laughs> position, uh, honestly. Good for me for getting right nice. back off. So, so I'm already in midseason form, Rich, and Nicely I love it. done. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Uh, running back, really interesting as well because, you know, before this season, you know, Deion Lewis obviously went to the Tennessee Titans, but you had Rex Burkhead, you have White, Brandon Bolden, your special teamer. They brought in Jeremy Hill from the Cincinnati Bengals. Mike Gillisley really didn't get utilized last season. So that was all your your roster. Then they went and drafted Sony Michelle, number one overall uh, the number, in the first round, excuse me, and they just inked his contract this weekend. He's definitely going to be in the mix. So 
another really cool camp battle is not necessarily who's going to make the team, because I feel like that's not that hard to figure out, but who's going to really cement itself as a starter, second down back, third down back, and how the Pats are best going to utilize all the talent they have in the backfield. Yeah, and so in my mind, the only real competition is will Gillisley or Hill make the roster, or will either of them make the team, right? Because you got Rex Burkhead and Sony Michel. Those are my, my picks just to split time on the first and second downs. They could do 50-50, go with a hot hand. It could be you know two-thirds, one-third. Those are your first two down guys because they can run, they can catch, they can block. James White, he's your two-minute drill, third down kind of back. Brandon Bolden, he's your special teamer. Devlin, he's going to make the team as the fullback. Uh, and so do you need Gillisley and Hill to make the team? I don't know. Ralph Webb can spend some time on the, the practice squad. Maybe that's enough. Maybe they're happy with Brandon Bolden and what he provides other than Gillisley and Hill. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that if you're choosing who's going to be the number four running back on the roster, you're not really looking for too much. And so I'm going to ask you right now, Michelle or Burkhead, who's going to have more snaps or more yards this year? I'm going to say as of right now, I'm giving it to Burkhead only because I trust Burkhead more in blitz pickup. One of the things that we're watching for all preseason, especially once the games start happening, is can Sony Michelle pick up the blitz on second down if necessary? Can he read the way Brady's reading the offense? Can he pick it up? I'm hoping the answer is yes. Running back in general is a fairly easy transition, uh, college to pro, relatively speaking. So if he can pick up and be a blitz pickup guy, that could really change my position in my opinion. But until he proves to me he's a good guy to protect Tom Brady from the extra rusher, I got to give it to Burkhead because I trust him more. Yeah, that's a, that's a smart reasoning too, and you always lean with the veteran if you're you're with Bill Belichick here because the rookie's going to have to earn it more in the sense that Burkhead's already proven what he can do in this offense, and so that that's a fair choice. And and speaking of blocking, I'm trying to do my midseason transition here nice, as well. I love it. Let's talk about tight ends a little bit. You thought I was going with offensive line. We're going I to did. talk about blocking tight ends right now because Gronkowski is a total lock to make the team. But there is, I don't know, I was going to say a four-man race to be the number two and number three guy on this team. We could open it up a little bit more because I'm only looking at Dwayne Allen, Jacob Hollister, Troy Nicholas, and Will Ty. But I don't want to do your boy Ryan Izzo dirty. And then yeah. Shane Wyman should also be included in the mix just because who knows? There's always a tight end that seems to emerge in the preseason. What's your thought on the tight end position? Yeah, obviously Gronkowski's a lock. He reported to camp early. He's ready to go. There was talks of contract extension, but we're not talking about that now. Dwayne Allen, he's a serviceable blocking tight end. Really didn't do much as a receiving threat. I can't imagine that role is going to change too much in 2018, which basically leaves how the Patriots are looking to do their system. And we talked earlier in the podcast about the wide receiver position. And if they tend to emphasize the wide receiver position more, especially with the receiving backs being what they are, maybe that second kind of move tight end isn't as important as it has been in years past. And they're looking more at guys that can, that can block a lot more. And if that's the case, I think Will Ty has a nice edge. He's a big guy. He's 6'3", 265 or so. Uh, you know, doesn't really bode as well for for Ryan Izzo, whom I, who I, I loved out of Florida State. He's about 255, 260, really not a, a solid blocker. So I guess it really depends on what kind of offensive scheme they're going to run this year. If it's really going to be more receiver and back-based out of the backfield, it's really all about that blocking tight end. That's Dwayne Allen and Will Ty for me. So that's probably my, uh, my number three guy behind Allen and Gronkowski is going to be Ty right now, I hate to say. Interesting, interesting. I actually think Jacob Hollister is going to be my number two spot. Uh, if, if I had to point this out, I'd say Gronkowski and Hollister. Hollister was turning a lot of heads during preseason, uh, during training camp, I guess, or mini camps back in May and June. And so Hollister really has an opportunity here to make a second season jump. I'm not expecting him to, to be Gronkowski 2.0, but if, if he can develop as a blocker, that was the big knock. 
because he was a fantastic receiver. The Patriots had already siphoned away some of Dwayne Allen's snaps to give him to Jacob Hollister in the red zone over the course of last season. So if Hollister has grown at all, if he's really developed as a blocker, it is his number two spot to lose, especially if you're thinking of, all right, the number two guy is supposed to be a blocker. I'm fine with James Devlin out there. You know, I'm fine with James Devlin on the field as the blocker. He does a pretty good job. And Dwayne Allen's an excellent blocker, don't get me wrong. But he also has that huge contract that the Patriots might have to to monitor if they want to hand out some extensions after this season because a lot of players are going to become free agents. And so Gronkowski and Hollister are my top two. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Dwayne Allen made that team, but I'm also with you on Will Ty. I think that he is a fantastic player. He was super productive for the New York Giants. The Patriots have had some prior or previous New York Giant tight ends on their roster just because I think Bill Belichick likes what they bring to the table. Not too surprised by that. I would not be shocked if Will Ty snuck onto the team. And that's not to say anything about uh, uh, Troy Nicholas, who was lauded as Rob Gronkowski, whatever, 3.0. That was always a lazy comparison of prospects. But uh, Troy Nicholas was always compared to Gronk coming out. Maybe he can show something. But if I had to choose right now, it would be Gronk, Hollister, and Ty. I'm cool with that. Again, and and also, like I said, a lot of it will depend on if they're going run heavy. The drafting of Sony Michelle sends the point they're maybe going to go a little more run first and and kind of bring back the ground and pound. If that's the case, the bigger guys are more valuable. But if they're not going to go bigger and they want to move a lot of packages around and go back to the two tight end set, maybe a guy like like Izzo or or Hollister become the guy there. But, you know, if they if they get the the blocking schemes down and and they can really do that well, uh, I'm all for it. And I I like where they're going with it. Again, tight ends always interesting because Gronk is so much better than everybody else. It's kind of hard to make that comparison. But, uh, you know, only time will tell when we decided to look at it. Uh, that was a bad transition because what are you going to do? I wanted to make like a blocking to blocking transition <laughs> for the offensive line, but I couldn't quite get it done. But it's preseason for me too, Rich. Uh, Can't get them all. But we are hustle. talking about the offense, so let's talk about the offensive line. Isaiah Wynn is their big pick, the guard out of Georgia. I think right now he's slated to play guard, and they're going to bring uh, – Brown over to tackle. I think Trent Brown is is the guy at the moment, but that could change. What are your early thoughts on the offensive line and the battle's going to go on there, Rich? Yeah, I mean, there are three settled positions. David Andrews is going to be at center, Shaq Mason is at right guard, and Marcus Cannon is going to be right tackle. There's no question. Those are your one, twos, and three right there. And so left tackle and left guard, that is the question mark. Joe Tooney is dealing with, uh, he had shoulder surgery this offseason, and so that is why Isaiah Wynn was stepping in at left guard. Who knows if that will hold when Joe Tooney gets back to the field. It is important to know that Joe Tooney took an incredible step down at the the second half of his sophomore season. I would not be surprised if he took a Shaq Mason-style leap forward. Despite his tough Super Bowl, he was against a ferocious defensive line with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he has always struggled with the, the bull rushes. I would not be surprised if Tooney actually maintained his starting spot at left guard and Isaiah Wynn can just be the the super sub. I, I'm with you. Trent Brown should be that starting tackle. He is six foot eight. He's a monster of a man, like 350 pounds. He is a great pass blocker. He can improve as a run blocker, but that's why we have Dante Scarnecchia, the best offensive line coach in the league. So that's my starting five right there. You go Trent Brown, Joe Tooney, and then Andrews, Mason, and Cannon, with Wynn being the super sub. And if we know the New England Patriots, Wynn is going to play a lot this year. There are always injuries. There's five positions that you have to cross your fingers for some health. 
Win can back up four out of those five, if not even center. Who knows? I mean, he he is just a beast. I'm sure he can back them all up. So remember when Nate Solder was drafted in the first round? He he was not supposed to start as a rookie, but you know you had Matt Light and Sebastian Vollmer. I believe Vollmer got hurt, and then Light got hurt, and so Solder spent a lot of time on the field. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but that is my expectation for Win in his rookie season. Here's hoping. Again, you have a rookie offensive line. It's a very complicated blocking scheme, and I do like the win pick, and I like the versatility, and Patriots too tend to value versatile linemen, so it should be a good fit. And whenever there's a guard and a running back that have played together in college, also a big benefit. Overall, the bottom line is the one position we're not going to talk about is quarterback, because Tommy B is back there, the greatest of all time, best in the game, and as long as he's running the offense, everything else will fall into place pretty beautifully. I think the one position that, or the one area where we should probably talk a little more about, Rich, the defense because oh, it's yeah. the defense that kind of cost the Patriots Super Bowl oh, uh, yeah. a while back. Um, no one really saw this kind of offensive shootout coming. We all thought it'd be a more a low-scoring game, and but that just didn't happen. You wrote a article, I believe, about how the Philadelphia Eagles had no respect for anybody on the Patriots defense, and so hopefully they made the necessary adjustments in the offseason via the draft, trade, for agency, or whatever it is. Some interesting camp battles going on there, Rich. So what's the the one you're looking out for most as training camp is underway on the defense side of the ball? Yeah, cornerback. Cornerback is going to be huge because other than Stephon Gilmore, there are a lot of question marks, right? Because the cornerback position is so important. The Patriots had a good stretch of time. Remember when they were just so bad at that position from roughly like 2009 until 2003? 12 2011-ish. Uh, this last stretch of time, you know, you had your, your Revis and Browners, you had your Butler and Logan Ryan. That was a really strong stretch. And last year, you had Stephon Gilmore and Malcolm Butler that got just horrendously crushed in the Super Bowl because they benched Malcolm Butler, and then the Eagles decided to pick on whoever the, the other cornerback, not Gilmore, was covering, and that just meant that they couldn't do anything. And the Patriots really missed having a Logan Ryan-type player that could play inside and outside, that could really cover the Z receivers while Gilmore shut down their, their number one X receiver, which is like your, your prototypical big wide receiver on the outside. So Gilmore should be slotted as the starter again. He was fantastic last year. I expect him to take even better and stronger strides in his sophomore year with the Patriots. But behind him, who's going to play there? You know, the, the Patriots acquired Jason McCourty. He hasn't been practicing much this offseason as he's been dealing with something. But Jason McCourty was acquired, I believe, for a future sixth or seventh round pick. He could be the inside pick to replace Butler. It could be a lateral move in terms of ability because Jason McCourty is very good when he's healthy. Eric Rowe had the opportunity to step up. He really didn't do it well in the Super Bowl, but I guess mostly uh, after the opening few drives, he kind of settled in, and they, they just picked on the third guy. And there's Cyrus Jones. I don't know. Jonathan Jones. Both of those Joneses are coming off a of season-ending injuries. Patriots invested a second-round pick in Duke Dawson, who has an opportunity to really step up. Keon Crossin is an athletic freak. J.C. Jones, or sorry, J.C. Jackson stepped up during the minicamp last year. He was playing with the first team across from Stephon Gilmore, so he has some opportunities there. And Ryan Lewis and Jamal Wiltz spent last season with the Patriots practice squad, so they, they are semi-familiar with the team. Uh, Ryan Lewis is the, the fan favorite of a lot of reporters because he just, I don't know, he's a, he's a good quote, but also he's a super athletic guy as well. Want to see what he can do when the, the, the ball is live. But if I had to choose right now, play opposite of Stephon Gilmore, I'm going to give the edge to Jason McCourty. 
I like that. I mean, I think McCourty is the guy they brought in with that in mind, him being the number two guy. I'm really curious to see if they have any confidence left whatsoever in Cyrus Jones or Cyrus Jones, any confidence left in himself. Disastrous rookie campaign, sophomore year cut by cut short by a, an injury. So he's coming off an injury, a defensive back coming off an ACL, and um, before that he was unconfident. That's not a very good combination. Curious about Duke Dawson as well. He's obviously going to make the team this year because they made a pretty high draft capital on him. I'm not sure what he's going to see. I, I don't know, man. It's just it's it's. It's tough coming from a pop couple of years where you go from Darrell Revis and you have Malcolm Butler and you have Brandon Browner and now you got Defon Gilmore. You really don't want to see the Patriots go back to the 2009 to 2011 secondary where it was just an absolute disaster. And they have enough DBs on the roster right now. You figure one or two are going to emerge. But at the same time, I feel like every year they have 5,000 DBs on the roster and sometimes it doesn't really quite, quite happen. And so – I don't know. I, I think McCourty is going to be the guy. I think the McCourty brothers on the field could be a lot of fun to watch and, and could work really well together. But, you know, if if there's not really that that guy that really solidifies himself in the training camps areas and the in the, the post in the preseason, excuse me, the preseason games, uh, it could be a, a very long season for the Patriots. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm expecting Gilmore to be fine. I expect Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung to be fine. And unless that fourth and potentially fifth defensive back steps up, that position's just going to be picked on all year long. I don't know. I mean, it, it would be a lot to ask for Duke Dawson to step up, but he has yeah. that athletic mix. And, you know, the, the tape is out there where he can do that Logan Ryan type of flex work where he can go inside, he can play outside, he can play, play press, he can play zone. And you don't want to ask that of a rookie too much. I was expecting him to really have that opportunity next year. But if, if push comes to shove, I don't know if Eric Rowe is the type of player that can play inside and outside. I think he might actually be better if they moved him to, to free safety to back up Devin McCourty. That was where I projected him coming out of college. I think that is still potential for him just because he, he just didn't have too much of that lateral ability. But, there, that, I mean, this is why they, you have to watch it. I, I really want to see what Jason McCourty looks like on the field. I want to see the twins in action. And that's probably mostly <laughs> that's the highlight for me this preseason. That's what I want to see more than anything is for Jason and Devin McCourty just to ascend to a different plane of football existence just by their, I don't know, mind melding or something. Yeah, that'd be sweet. A couple of years ago, I forgot who it was. I think Devin McCourty was like Marquise Hill or Marquise Lee teamed up for like a volleyball style like one of them mm. batted it to McCourty against the Dolphins, and McCourty came down. Let me see if like McCourty brothers had something like that coming in through. Uh, if nothing else, like some confusing kind of like like the Hollister twins and the McCourty twins, some kind of like weird switcheroo that could really mess up with with coordinators' heads. <laughs> but if I had to, if you had to guess right now, before we move on to other positional groupings in the defense, will Cyrus Jones make the cut? this year or is his tenure the Patriots come to an end I think his tenure is coming to an end because I really think Cordaro Patterson is an all pro at the position and you just go with the all pro over the unproven and if Patterson's returning it then there's no real role for Cyrus Jones on this team yeah hate to say it's true uh there's something about the Patriots drafting second round DBs high that never tends to end well I'm sorry Duke yeah, Duke Duke has had a big, big shoes to fill. But between Cyrus Jones and Razai Dowling, two, in my opinion, the worst be- pick ever of the Belichick era. I uh, just don't think Cyrus Jones is going to see any action going forward. But that's all right. Because there are other great players on this defense. 
Uh, I want to go to the defensive line at this point because there's some cool additions they made. Uh, Danny Shelton was brought over from Cleveland. They brought in Adrian Claiborne from the Falcons. Uh, Derek Rivers is obviously had a, is had a an injury last year, so he was never quite able to to deliver the way that he wanted him to. The pass rush wasn't bad last year, but it wasn't great. And you talk about the secondary and getting shredded and whatnot, and that's all well and good. But if the pass rush is there, that makes the secondary's job a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you confident this year in the Patriots' ability to get to the quarterback, or do you feel like the defensive line will still be a work in progress? It'll definitely be a work in progress, but remember last year the Patriots were rotating Adam Butler and Dietrich Wise opposite of Trey Flowers just because they didn't have anyone on the edge. They were adding Eric Lee in the middle. I mean, they just did not have a pass rush whatsoever opposite of Trey Flowers. And so adding Adrian Claiborne into the mix really should settle down this pass rush, if only because of the trickle-down effect, because Dietrich Wise did show a lot of flashes last year, but imagine him being a number three instead of a number two. And then Derek Rivers can do whatever he does. I just think that it's going to be better because they'll have a stronger rotation than Trey Flowers and a bunch of rookies. And so if, if I think Trey Flowers is going to have a huge season right now. I think Claiborne is going to remind people of Rob Ninkovich just with his stability that will provide on the opposite edge. I don't expect him to get more than five sacks, but he's going to provide super sound run defense, and he's going to provide enough pressures that Trey Flowers is going to be able to clean up or he's going to force a few errant throws. I think Claiborne is the perfect type of player for what the Patriots want to do on their defensive line. I hope so. I think, you know, the Patriots are very good about creating matchups on the defensive line. And because of the injuries last year, they're very limited in what they had to do. And Eric Lee was fine. He was fairly serviceable, but I don't think Eric Lee is your answer at defensive line. And so the fact that I like Danny Shelton pick a lot, a good run stuffer. And the Shelton with, with Vincent Valentin, I think he's he's poised for, uh, for a breakout year in his third year, hopefully. Um, so I, I'm not I'm much more optimistic than I was last year about the defensive line position. Uh, one area, however, where I am not as optimistic as I was last year this time is the linebacking oh, core. Yeah. Um, Dante Hightower obviously is back off the injury. As long as he can be as he is capable of being, he's been banged up, that's fine. But after Dante Hightower, who is not a guarantee to play a full 16 games, he's definitely an injury-prone linebacker. There's Kyle Van Noy, who overachieved since he got a Patriots uniform on, and God bless him for that. But Marquise Flowers, Jawan Bentley... Uh, Christian Sam, Landon Roberts, Harvey Lange. Like, there's not a lot of names on the Patriots linebacking core, and it still a lot of confidence in me, Rich. And that's an important position, the Bill Belichick defense. Oh, absolutely. It's like the most important position of the Bill Belichick defense because they are so crucial with either stopping the run, which is the most important part of the Patriots defense, and then also making sure they're making the right calls with dropping back into coverages. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, if Hightower can play, this is a fantastic defense. If he does not, and Kyle Van Noy is the top linebacker, uh, you gave the perfect perfect evaluation of his play. He's super overachieved. He really earned that contract extension. But if you have Van Noy as your best linebacker out there, and who else? I mean, that, that's just asking for a bunch of wheel routes thrown your direction and a bunch of easy yards for opposing running backs. And so that's not an indictment on Kyle Van Noy. It's a question mark over the overall depth. 
I expect Marquise Flowers to have a huge season, actually. I, I would not be surprised if he's the number three guy. He really impressed me down the stretch last year when he finally had an opportunity to play. He is a prototypical weak side linebacker. He's super athletic. He defended the wheel route better than any linebacker on the Patriots defense. And if he gets the entire offseason to show that he can play on defense versus last year where he was like, what, like a September 1st acquisition, he didn't really get an opportunity to show that. He was acquired as a special teamer. If he can really settle in and show his ability at linebacker, I'll feel a lot more confident in that this Patriots defense, even if Hightower's out, because if you have Flowers who can stop the run enough and he can drop into coverage, and then you have Van Noy who can rush the quarterback enough and he can stop the run, that's enough balance if they circle around Hightower in the middle. I just really don't want a season where Landon Roberts is your top guy because he, I mean, he's like Brandon Spikes, but that's just his style of play is a little too uh, one decade ago. You know, he's able to penetrate into the backfield, which is fantastic. But we saw this over the course of last season that the other teams knew how to bait him into a certain gap so they could seal him out and spring the running back to a space where there's no linebacker anymore. And you just can't have that when the Patriots need to stop the run in order to, you know, set up third and long situations. And so if I had to choose my top three guys right now, it'd be Hightower, Van Noy, and Flowers. Again, I think that's a that's a serviceable linebacking core, and I'd be okay with that. And I, I just hope that – I feel like somebody at Pat's pulpit, either you or me or another staff member, has been writing some variation of special teams linebacker forced into active duty for the past three or four years or so. Yep. And I'd love to avoid that happening this year. And I just really question the linebacker depth. The Patriots did not address it in the draft. They didn't really do anything in the the free agency period or the trade period, so they're obviously content with the linebacking core they have. But as you mentioned, if one of those those three guys goes down, that's a very big drop off, and that could bode poorly for for going forward. But I guess only time will tell. And again, there's always this one guy who emerges in every training camp, and maybe it'll be a linebacker. Here's hoping. Uh, luckily for me, everywhere else is pretty set. I feel like, especially safety. I feel like the safety position is probably the safest. Um, if you don't mind the double double language on the team. Hey. You got McCordy, you got Deron Harmon, you got Patrick Chung. I feel like the the safeties are are well positioned. I don't think there's really much of a of a battle there. Uh, I think the biggest question mark at safety for me is will Nate Ebner come off his ACL injury and get back as a core special teamer? And I guess will Jordan Richards be on the team? That's probably nothing else to watch for. But mostly safety position seems like it's pretty well set. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I'm actually a little. I mean, the the fact that they didn't add anyone to replace Jordan Richards it's just I mean that just shows how settled they consider the position to be I believe they they gave uh, Patrick Chung an extension this offseason gave him some more money so if if the Patriots are fine with that position you got a strong starting three and if you're building a roster and your two starters are great and your top backup is someone that you feel confident stepping into the lineup as a starter and the Patriots also play three safeties like 50% of the time anyways if you have that kind of depth and you're questioning your fourth player you're in a good spot. You know, it's the same thing where we're talking about running back position. Whereas, hey, I mean, if you're starting three guys are fine. You just really hope that you don't need that fourth guy ever anyways. And so, yeah, Patriots are in good spot at safety. I'm not too concerned about whatever happens there. They do have some cross flexibility as well. Nate Ebner can step up if he's healthy enough. Uh, Demarius Travis really showed a little bit last year during the preseason, and they really like him there. So, who knows, maybe he'll bump Jordan Richards off the roster as well. But 
maybe they'll, they'll move some of the, the cornerbacks around too. We mentioned Eric Rowe having a possibility of playing some safety. Whatever happens, Patriots are completely fine at strong safety and at, uh, at free safety, so I'm not too worried there. Neither am I, uh, and that's basically the defense and the offense. I'll tell you, man, one we can touch on real quickly. Um, I'm not sure what the terms of the, the tenseness of this battle will be, but for the first time in a while, um, there's a potential training camp battle at punter. Uh, Ryan Allen has some competition with uh, Corey Bajorquez, I believe how you pronounce his last name. They're Actually both left-footed guys. They're both left-footed guys. Corey's out of New Mexico, if I remember correctly. Uh, he's a very strong-legged guy. Allen struggled a bit last year in his punting abilities. I'm not sure what that's going to shake out as, but I think Allen's got the edge as a holder for Guskowski, if nothing else. But you know what? If you're Patriots, why not take over and, and turn over a few new leaves? And another left-footed punter is in camp as of right now. It should be fun to watch that at least. Yeah, and it always just takes the load off of Ryan Allen a little bit. And you never want to have someone feel too settled into their starting job. And they bring in someone every now and then. I, I don't know if they've brought in kickers recently, but they it seems like they're just flexing the list a little bit. Bohorquez has a really nice uh, accolade list, so might as well give him a shot. Ryan Allen is under contract. He's fine. He's like as average as a puncher can get. And so if you can get a guy who's above average, great. If not, eh, at least you tried. So that that's a win-win. I, I'm really not concerned too much over what will happen there and i do think that ryan allen has the edge and at the end of the day who knows maybe we'll get a practice squad punter if there are weirder things have happened rich and the best thing about all this is neither of us have any clue nobody does but we will soon find out because there's a lot of cool things to watch i believe the first position uh, excuse first practice open to the public is this thursday july 26th at uh, 9.15 in the morning, so if you are around the Foxborough area, I want to go check out a practice. I am envious, first of all, and that's when you can do it. Should be a lot of fun, man. Looking forward to breaking down the season with you. Oh, absolutely. And so when we have more practices under the belt, we'll meet back again. So we'll talk about some of the highlights. If anything has shaken out, seeing some players return to practice that were not there in the mini camps in May and June, that'll reveal a little bit more about potential depth charts. Super excited to break it down with you, Alec. Until next time, you have a good one. You too, buddy. Later, man. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend.
I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>